You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. Each year, George and Carolyn Snaman give a scripture as a theme or guiding word to be our watchword as Hands at Work enters the new year. On January 8th, George shared the 2018 watchword at the Hub in South Africa. Wow, it's great to be together. And I was thinking, it is quite hot here, isn't it? Well, guys, imagine how it feels in a feeding points today. Imagine those grannies at the fire. Focusing, faithful, attending. Okay? So as we make a choice and we push ourselves and we say, we are going to receive this morning. We're going to hear. Then you speak to your body. You speak to all the voices saying to you, oh, it's so hot, I wish. And you say, I've got a choice to be part of many people out there in Zimbabwe 40. And they're making fire and they're cooking for our children. Isn't that incredible? What a privilege for us to be part of that. I love, I love the diversity of hands. It's such an amazing thing. It's such a deep call that God gave us right from the beginning. He said, bring them together. Revelations 17 speaks about every tribe and nation coming together. Guys, the kingdom of God is when people are coming together from different nations and cultures. That's the miracle of the kingdom versus the man-made cultures and identities and race and nationalities. When we rise above that, and this morning I was just thinking about that. Just consider for a moment we can take things for granted so easily. I mean, we've got an Australian and an Englishman sitting next to each other this morning. That's a miracle. <laughs> if anyone of you knows cricket, that's a miracle. But we've got people here who have planted churches in the poorest communities sitting in this room. We've got people who are defending our communities and putting their lives on the line. You guys know who I'm talking about. Who literally get death threats weekly. Guys, can you hear what I'm saying? They're sitting in this room this morning. But we've got people that gave up their career. Gave up their houses, gave up their dreams, against what their family said, against what good common knowledge and wisdom say. And they came here because there's something that they can't explain that's burning inside them that they want to make a difference in life. There are people who are sitting here that are many thousands of kilometers away from their loved ones. They're starting this new year away from their families. Those of us in Africa, isn't it incredible privilege? It's a privilege for me to be here. There are many people in this room that faced huge pain and brokenness and hurt last year. And they are here in this room. Consider that. I had the privilege of walked with many of you. I had the privilege, like Audrey, where we visited Audrey from Mozambique, where we visited the child 
and we watched half the house that was built for the child. She's only, he was only five. That morning we stood there with him at his house. Five hours later he was dead. I was with her in the field when it happened. Together we saw children that we could not believe that they can ever have hope in life. It just looked impossible, like Victor in Toyota. If anyone, if you've not seen his photos, come and ask. I was wondering about him as the new year started, and we were celebrating and wishing. I was wondering about Victor. How does he think about the new year? Seriously malnourished, HIV positive, no, no family, walk for more than an hour to a care point in pain, weak. The only care worker he ever had that cared for him died. Isn't it incredible? You know how privileged we are to see life like that? To see it from that angle. You know how few people on this planet will ever have the privilege to, to hear and understand what I've shared with you right now in this few minutes. Friends, we'll be tempted, we'll be challenged, we'll be pushed by many voices and reasons this year to run away. We will not run. Because there's no way to run to. No way. If I've ever been excited about the year, then it's this year. But it's a different excitement. It's an excitement of, I know what's coming is not going to be easy. But God prepared us for it. God made us ready for it. This is our time. I'm asking Melissa that I want her to read John 14 for us. We're going to have it on the screen so you don't have to take your Bibles out. Ask Melissa, you can come to the front now. You can come and stand here next to me. I'm just going to have the mic here for you. As we're going to read this chapter, if there's ever been a chapter in the Bible that describes the heart of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and if there's ever been a chapter that gave us hope and answers, if there's ever a chapter that gives us, I understand, then it is John 14. So when Mal read it to you, I want you to listen very carefully how the Trinity is speaking. A community speaking to us. It's giving us a message. And the community is inviting us into a message. So I want you to listen as Mel. She's an excellent reader. So I've asked Mel to read John 14 for us. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. 
You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me, who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Thank you, Mel. Incredible words, isn't it? I could, I could say to you that 
I could literally have quoted this chapter um, before because it's such a well-known chapter. And yet, as I dug into it, it was like I read it for the first time. It was just mind-blowing and incredible. I couldn't believe it. And even to the very last words, so challenging, <coughs> come now, let us leave. Just hear that urgency. I'm telling you everything. Come now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. We all know well that Jesus came to a broken world. Twice in this chapter, we read these incredible words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus don't speak that to somebody that's happy and in control of their lives. Jesus spoke to the broken, the hurt, those who've got no hope. And he brings this incredible news. Do not let your hearts be troubled. These words that were spoken in John 14 were certainly spoken to people who needed a savior. And then in this chapter, as Jesus shared, and I want you to hear it in this context, as he shared this news, he came up with a statement that people were waiting for for millennium. People were waiting for centuries and centuries, waiting to hear this answer. And here Jesus stood and he spoke these words and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And this is our watchword for 2018. This well, well-known verse where Jesus stood up as he said to people and said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Then he gave the reason. He said, listen to me. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. There's no way, no truth, no life outside me. Friends, in a time where we live right now, and you know what I'm meaning, where everything is questioned, everything is questioned, this truth is more applicable than ever before. This amazing watchword is very offensive to a world today. Very offensive. It confronts everything we hate about the gospel. And yet, in 2018, this is where God takes us. He says, if you really, really seek me, if you really want me, I'm going to take you to very core, the thing that is so hated about my message. And I'm going to say to you, proclaim it to the nations in a time where this will be intolerable. People will never receive it. Christ say more than ever, this is the truth about me. Yeah, this was said 2,000 years ago. And today, 
we are more desperate for a saver than ever before. The truth is, the world is busted up. It's messed. You don't want to believe me. Ask a parole officer. Ask a social worker. Ask a foster parent. Or, let's go closer. Just can ask a grandmother, two kilos from here, that's looking after five orphans. Or ask a, a, a teenage girl that's looking after four siblings, trying to survive. Or even tougher, ask a girl who's repeatedly sexually abused in a community where there's not even police presence. And you will know that this world is more messed up in 2018 than ever before. It's only in this brokenness that the most well-known verse in the Bible that you learned when you were three years old in Sunday school suddenly ripped my heart open and I sat in my room and I said, God, I've never read this before ever. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that Whoever believe in him will not perish. Friends, we hate that. We hate to hear that we will perish without Jesus. We hate the fact that he is the way and the truth and there's no other way. Surely we can survive on our own. Surely we've got it all worked out. Surely there's other options <coughs> in other places. Well, if you look at the world I described to you in a very few seconds now, you know when we pursued those other ways, it led to death and brokenness and pain, and it happens on our watch, and we see it daily, and we do nothing about it. Is it possible? And this is why salvation is such a miracle. It's such an incredible miracle. And in John 14, as we hear about this miracle, we even hear about something else that's so exciting. God said, now that I have done this miracle in your life, I invite you, come with me. And let's go and do it all over the broken world. We don't have to sit and watch. Gosh, we can go to Syria. I'm serious. We can go. If our hearts are in it, we can go. There are some of us in this room who have personally tasted this brokenness. And today you, you, you even forgot about it. You forgot about your brothers and sisters. You, you, gra you grabbed the, the luxury of life. You forgot about it. How dare you forget about it? You were there. It's your testimony. We can't forget about it. We can't soothe over it. We can't have excuses. It's not going to be easy. But we're going to do it. 
the backdrop of this, this morning, to illustrate to you what I'm trying to say, I want to tell you a story, a true story. And I'll tell you a story that happened in Canada. I call it the breach story. It happened in 1851. All the engineers in Canada thought that James Rubling was totally out of his mind. This was the year where Rubling began to work on the unthinkable. He was going to build a bridge over the Niagara Falls. I mean, if any one of you know that falls, it's crazy. It is like the Vic Falls. I was there twice already. It's unbelievable. You cannot imagine how rough it is, how volatile it is, and yet he said he was going to do it. Everybody predicted the disaster. I mean, think about it. That river is 250 meters wide. That's most properly from Bushy's house to the gate. That's the width of this amazing, it's 90 meters down. 140 million liters a minute are pouring down there. There are crazy winds blowing as the water is falling and the width and the length. And here is this engineer and he's saying, I believe we can build a bridge. And the dream is simple. I want to get people safely from one place to another place. And against every odds, I'm going to build this bridge. You know, there were very good reasons why people said this thing was born dead. It couldn't be a normal bridge. You can't go in that water and put pillars in the water. This bridge couldn't be built normally. They had to build a suspension bridge. Those of you that don't know what a suspension bridge is, it means this side of the river you've got a little something you can build, and then on the other side, and in between, it's just loose cables. 250 meters with thunder and water and winds. That's the only way this bridge could work. It was a disaster. At that stage, suspension bridges all over the world were a disaster. In France and in England, suspension bridges never lasted for more than two years. It would literally just twist up and fall down. Hundreds of people died trying to cross on suspension bridges. People had absolute good reason to believe that this will never work. The chasm, that gap, the water, everything was just too much. It's a dream that's noble, but it can never happen. The gap is too big. You know how we started, look at that. You know how we started building that bridge? He had a boy. I believe the boy was something like five years old or something. But he had a boy with a kite. And he told the boy to fly. You know what a kite is? And he told the boy to fly this kite. And he challenged him to try and get the kite to the other side of the river. To take it so high that when it goes down. And this kite had such a thin line on it. Maybe a fish gut. Something like that. And it landed and they tied it to a tree. And, and on that little, very 
really vulnerable, thin line. They added another little bit thicker line and a little bit thicker line until they took a cable 25 centimeters across that river. It started small, like a little boy just doing it. You know, I thought about that. And I thought about Jesus. Who became a baby? <laughs> in a dirty village in a manger. How small can you start? How feeble can you be? How vulnerable can a dream be? That baby, that girl that's not even married, that brings salvation? Are you crazy? Do you know the storms? Do you know the king that's about to kill all the sons? Do you know the, do you know? It's never going to work. And yet this baby, step by step, grew and became stronger and stronger and stronger until the Sunday of resurrection. Amen. Isn't that incredible? I wondered why did God choose to do it that way? I believe he was trying to teach us how to build bridges. He was trying to say to us, I know the gap. I know, I know, I know, I know. But just get a kite. Just, just, just say, I'm not going to look away. Just do what Nehemiah did. Just cry. Just pray. Just, just do something. Just lift your kite. Who knows what God can do? Enhanced work, we have received a call, an invitation from the Trinity community. And it said, I want to invite you to build bridges with me. We were invited to join a trinity. Isn't that incredible? Did you see the trinity in John 14? The Father and the Son and the Son and the Holy Spirit and we will live in you and I will ask him and he will do that. Did you see that the community? And that community say, hey guys, you want to join? You want to be part of us? You want to come build with us? You want to dare to be different? You want to really make a difference? And we were invited to go and build bridges in the most vulnerable communities in Africa where all the odds are stacked against us and where everybody will say, surely this cannot work. Surely. I mean, you're 3,000 kilometers away from Goma. Do you know in Likasi all the political unrest that there is? Do you know the challenges we faced in Zimbabwe and in Mozambique? You're way, you're spread too thin. There's too many gaps, not enough skill, not enough resources. Everything is against us. And the Holy Spirit, the Trinity say to us, Let's do it. The message is clear. 
the message we take is a message we received. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I thought a lot about that. He will not leave us behind as orphans. Imagine more beautiful words to Gogo Esther in Honda Valley or Argentina and Machina. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He promised he's not going to leave you as an orphan. We've got a clear message and we are not alone and without power. That's been given to us. In John, we are told to pray and to ask. And he who is truth and the life will give to us whatever we need to bring hope as we dare to build this bridge. But can you hear what I'm saying? It is he who is the life. It's he who is the truth. It's him. It's his way, not ours. The model is very clear. The Trinity came to our home to visit us. Did you see that? I will come, we will come to you and live in you. We will come and stay with you. We experience that incredibleness of the Trinity coming into this mud hut. Paul called it a tent. Look at this. I mean, who would want to come and live with me? Inside me. And yet the Trinity said, we will come and live in you. And that is a whole drive for us. We know that he came to live in us. It's old hat that's just brand new and so much deeper. That we say, as we build this bridge, we've got this dream to go into those huts, to go in those places and to say, we will come and stay with you. We will be part of your life. We will, we will burst into you as Christ came into us. Revelation 3 verse 20 is one of the most craziest verses and misquoted verses in the whole Bible. Listen for a moment to this. Jesus said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if you open up, I'll come in, I'll eat with you. Guys, put it in context. He is standing at your door and he's knocking. He is who? He is the God. He's the creator of the universe. He is the son of God. How is it possible? Man, we don't even expect the mayor of Nelspreet to come and stand and knock on my door, right? Not even talking about Cyril Ramaphosa or whoever. Here is a king of kings, the mightiest God, the one who spoke and the world was created, no matter what your biology teacher told you. He is standing at your door and knocking, and he's saying, if you open up, I will come in because I'm humble. I'll wait. When you're ready, I'll come. Guys, this blows me. Because you know, if you say to him today, well, I'm kind of busy at the moment. Can you just back off, please? Um, you know, tomorrow morning, he's back. And what kind of God is that? 
kind of God will come and knock at your door, Dawson. Ivy, George, Pussy, come and knock at your door, waiting, just saying, if you open, I'm in. And I will bring life. Because I'm the only one that can bring life. Outside me, there's nothing. You can seek and look. There's nothing. There's nothing. If you don't believe me, just go and Google and look at the most successful people in the world this year. Either overdosed or suicide or divorced or depressed. There's nothing outside the one knocking on your door. And because of that, we are compelled to build those bridges because we want to go and knock on the doors and bring this incredible news. The one who's the way, the truth, and the life came and he knocked on my door. I mean, he's in here, he's here. And I'm bringing him. I'm bringing him. And where can be a better place in the world to take him than to the place where it's so dark? It's so dark. It's so depressed. It's so broken. That the rest of the world prefer not to talk about it. <coughs> That's where we build bridges to. And that's where we're going to go and knock on the doors. Because he knocked on our door. But it's not going to be easy. Okay? One of my most favorite, favorite quotes in 2017 that I heard was from my spinning instructor on YouTube. <laughs> Halfway through the spinning, the guy say, I mean, I'm just like desperately trying to catch a breath. Carolyn standing in the kitchen looking at me, just going like, you, you're sick, man. <laughs> and, and the guys say, at that moment, the guys say, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to become horrible now. <laughs> it's going to become horrible. <laughs> and I always smile when he says that because like I'm, my tongue is hanging on the ground. I can't imagine I can do another 10 seconds. I'm halfway and he tells me the first half is nothing. What comes is going to be horrible. <laughs> and yet, it's so amazing because that's the very thing that sparks me. But you see, he's a simple man. I don't even know his name. But I, I really believe that he can guide me to achieve what I want to achieve. You see, I know exactly what I want. And I know what it's going to take. And this guy is for me the way to get there. And I totally trust him. I totally trust that he will know how far he can push me and how to do it. And uh, how he, he talks me through it, minute by minute. I, every time I do the same exercise, I think, shit, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. But he takes me through it step by step. And I trust him because I know what I want to do he's going to give to me. How much more? Jesus. How much more? Rubling finished the bridge in March 1855. It was profound both in its simplicity and its economy. Simply, 
just two structures on both sides, 18 meters pillars. It had two levels, bottom for the horse carts and the people to walk, and the top one, the Great Western Canada, Canada Railroad. And thousands and thousands of people for many years were taken safely from one place to another. Remember, it started with a boy and a kite. A boy and a kite. So what do you say? Are we going to do that? Are we going to build those bridges? Against all odds? Against what everybody saying? Against our own logic many times? Are we going to embrace that He is the way, the truth and the life? And as we're going to study this watch with this here, I want to share with you this. I'm closing now. More than ever before, the, the study is going to be offensive. I want you to know. Like that guy said to me, this is going to be horrible. I want to say to you now, it's going to be offensive because we're not going to paint a nice, beautiful picture of Jesus and you just have him as an app on your iPhone and it's okay. If he say, I'm the way, the truth and the life, it means everything else you hang on to at the moment is preventing him to rule in your life. And we're going to rip those things open and we're going to call them on their names and we're going to talk about it. We're going to hold each other accountable until Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life in our lives. And from us, we trust God into hundreds of villages and thousands upon thousands of people are going to discover His beauty. And when people one day tell us, you're so amazing, we're going to say to them, actually, it all started with a kite. There's nothing amazing about us. We just believed. It's for free, and yet it's going to be the toughest thing you ever had to do. You can't work for it. You must rest. Yet it's going to be the hardest work you've ever done. <coughs> That's what it means. To surrender to Jesus completely. It's the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org